Welcome to the DSEF. The Direct Selling Executives Forum was created to be a place where real direct selling executives and vendors in the space can come out and share solutions to challenges that face us all in the marketplace. Our guest today is going to be unpacking a topic and sharing their raw thoughts for you to learn from. All right, let's go meet our guest. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we want to welcome you to our next session of the Direct Selling Executives Forum Open Panel. Uh, today's topic is keys to employee retention and a healthy culture via onboarding new employees correctly. And I'm so very excited about the session we're going to have today as we thought through uh, this topic of onboarding and how to set proper expectations and have the right kind of relationships long term with your employees. We just thought of having Michelle uh, join the panel, and I'm so excited that Michelle's here today. Uh, for those of you that are brand new to the DSEF and don't know about Michelle, uh, Michelle McDonald. Donahue is a highly respected influencer and thought leader in the direct selling channel with a vast community of followers, colleagues, connections, and a longtime member of the selected industry associations, as well as current and past board positions in the space. She's a corporate rainmaker in the areas of sales, marketing, branding, strategic initiatives, training, and business development with a successful track record in leadership. With 40 years herself as a senior executive in the direct selling channel, we know it doesn't look like 40 years, but 40 years, <laughs> incredible, right? Um, Michelle's brought the market party plan and network marketing companies from concept to launch with Fortune 500 companies, e-commerce ventures, and startup companies offering a wide range of consumer products in the U.S. and abroad as a strategic consultant. Michelle's also served as numerous advisory boards, both enterprise and charitable, and named Entrepreneur Woman of the Year in Los Angeles. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us here today. We're so very excited to have you here on the panel. Thank you, Ben. I love your intro. Thank you very much. I'm honored to be here. Well, this is a big topic, and I'm excited to start it. So, Omar, let's go ahead and get started. The floor is yours. Let's start the show. Thank you, Michelle, for joining in today. Um, our first question would be, uh, as we know, that employee uh, attrition is costly. Uh, maintaining productive uh, employees costs the company less money and does not rock the boat when it comes to the culture. What is uh, employee onboarding, and why is it so important? You know, this is. thank <laughs> you for asking that. It's such an important question, and, and we are in the world of post-COVID. So everything has changed tremendously and, and it's changing every day. And, and Ben, you're so familiar with our channel uh, changing uh, literally every 24 hours. So we're, we're all adjusting to how to run a business, how to deal, interact with people and literally just learning every day. So um, onboarding is critical. Onboarding means so much. And I did want to mention it really starts. People don't think of it this way, but it starts with the interview process. When you onboard, you know, people think of, well, how do I bring them in? Do I fly them in? Do I do this? That It's really with that first interview because the employee is constantly making, establishing their own opinion. They're evaluating, you know, we forget they're interviewing us as much as the company is interviewing them. So it, start, it starts day one. And I really think onboarding, if done correctly, promotes employee attrition. You know, we, we lose, there are a lot of companies that are downsizing and, and people leaving. And, and if the onboarding is done correctly, statistics, statistics show that that employee stays longer. So here's a couple things to think about. Uh, right now, the world is about remote, hybrid, and on-site. 
So hybrid means a combination of both. And companies, there are companies in direct selling that are 100% virtual. There are companies that are 50% remote. So the key is really determining what, what you want to do because it does affect the culture. And I did want to bring up one point too. We've run across this in the talent acquisition world. There are people who, executives, who struggle in managing a remote team. Not everybody can do that. It's very different. So there's a different process in that versus running down the, the hallway and talking to someone in the next office. So not everybody could run a remote team. So there's a little bit of a education when it comes to that. So establishing how you want to hire someone remote, hybrid, whatever, that contact, that support, that physical contact, if somebody is hired remote, it's important to have them come in periodically to experience the culture, to connect with the staff, to connect with their boss. Uh, you know, make that team connection. There are people out there, employees, of course, uh, loving working remote from their home office and having their dog right next to them. But there are people who don't know how to work remote. They don't know how to not be part of a team, you know, and being long distance. So, so that's one point too. Weekly check-ins, um, when someone gets hired, they tend to be forgotten. You know, they just get thrown in. There might be a two-day orientation and boom, do your job. It, it's important to have some sort of an HR check-in maybe for the first 90 days. Um, have maybe every Friday go through expectations with your boss. You know, have that support system in place for 60 to 90 days because a lot of people get hired and then they get thrown out and, and get told to do their job. And, and that can be very scary mentoring and coaching for the first 90 days. 90 days is established as a probationary period, but during that time, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of learning, getting to know their way around. And it's important maybe to put in place a mentoring or coaching process to, to kind of help them through that. And always keep in mind, it's more expensive to replace an employee than to keep them. So you always want to keep that in the back of your mind, especially HR. Uh, on board in groups. So let's just say a company hires all through the month. It might be supportive or important to have onboarding done uh, the day they start their position. That day is established twice a month. So they're onboarding with other employees. So maybe the 15th and the 30th or whatever. So there's other people they're onboarding with, not just by themselves. So that, that also helps the process. And then also survey the onboarding process, whether it's checkpoints or a survey done at some point in the middle or at the end, you get your best feedback from somebody onboarding. So it's always, always good to listen and hear if it's working. You know, Michelle, there's some real <laughs> nuggets there as a framework for the, the listeners, for people who are executives, both in frontline positions. You know, I mean, we have, we have people when they think of hiring who are on this, who are listening to the podcast or are watching on the live stream, you know, who are, some are thinking about warehouse workers, you know, where they're putting together a whole bunch of people to pick, pack and ship products. Some are thinking of customer service people who are, you know, touching the customer right. and, and in conversation. Some are thinking about executives. And, and I love the picture you yeah. painted of saying that, on board yeah. starts in the interview process. You know, people are 
buying what you're selling or not buying what you're selling right from the way you experience you in the interview right. that is a that is a powerful reminder you know michelle was just dropping so many gold nuggets there again i want you to write that one down it's like wait a minute think about that, like how you would feel in your own interview process and and those those check-ins and mentoring i'll share with you from even our, our a business that we run in, in our life at next and we have a complete we have majority of our teams remote and we have found that that daily mentoring just the thought of in those yeah. first 90 days having a mentor slash sponsor who daily checks in for that five to ten minutes is so critical mm -hmm. going all remote if you're in that mm -hmm. all remote world where you're not having those random you know, what lunchroom interactions you know you're not breaking bread together at lunch each day you don't have right, those right little moments to pick each other's brain. You need to create those moments with a new hire. So Michelle's right on in that framework where some of you on this line are all remote or hybrid. And that that line she just shared, I have found that to be true over a decade of using having remote workers on my own staff. I would I would say that that has been a key to our success of of realizing quickly if this person's a a fit or not in your culture and if they're able to move forward in a probationary period. For our international listeners, yeah. there is very different HR law, of course, in your country, but think about what a probation looks like. That's going to be my encouragement from what Michelle just shared. Like, think about think about what a probation looks like in your world because some, some of you live in cultures where you it's very hard to fire people actually once you've actually hired them and what those rules are. And But Michelle's right on many times. You need to have a, some grace and a real training period for them to win center of the space. That's really good thoughts, Michelle. Thank you for highlighting that. Uh, and, you know, to your point, I know these are one of the questions you might ask, but recognition, appreciation is much more important than money. And a Amen. lot, I yeah. mean, everyone I talk to, they leave <laughs> because of the lack of appreciation, respect, or the, the culture fit is not there. It's not the money. It, it, and money can be an answer to a lot of things for companies, but it's that it's that fit, that culture fit that's so critical. So Amen. Yeah. Amen. Like money, uh, a base need. Yep. Talk about hierarchy of needs. And we'll go back to Omar. Money money's a base need. If the money wasn't yeah. there, they likely wouldn't be there. But then there's that next need, right? Their need moves past their basic needs being met. If you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs to esteem and to being a part of a greater cause, great books. For those of you, we always give book recommendations here on the uh, DSF podcast. A good classic would be uh, Chip Conley's Peak. If you want to think about what Michelle is just sharing about an employee's needs in their hierarchy, uh, Chip Conley's book Peak would be an awesome audio book for you to grab. If you haven't been through Simon Sinek's uh, Start With Why. Yep. Those are two just classics, I would say. It's funny to call Start With Why a classic, right? It's been an instant classic, right? Um, that are just powerful books for you as executives to check out. All right. Omar, I can see you got another question. Let's go back to Omar. All right. Where are we going from here? Thank you, Michelle and Ben. Well, that was a great insight from you guys. This question is actually the part of the first question. So, uh, Michelle, if you could please tell us what does uh, bad onboarding looks like or what are the uh, repercussions? Yeah, good, good question. Out. And it's always good to look at both sides, right? Cost of employee is the biggest thing I can say because we, we discussed that earlier to replace, 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 replace. It takes time. It, it takes a cost to do that. 
But more importantly, something a lot of companies don't think about, they start to create a bad reputation that they're constantly replacing employees. So you don't want that out there. And then one of the things that's so important to this whole onboarding process is a culture connection, value and respect. And one other thing I threw in is let them do their job. There's one other thing I wanted to address later is that we get hired, you know, we interview, we do the dance, you know, you're really feeling excited. Everybody's happy. You get hired, you get hired because of your skills, your achievements, your successes, and then they don't let you do your job. So you, you've got to really, if the job has changed or skill sets have changed, you need to sit down with that employee, but really create the framework and let the employee do their job. Now that's such an important thought. If you, if you think about A players, I want you to hear what Michelle is just saying. Many of you as executives on the line, you, you hope and you seek to attract A players, these game-changing employees that are going to be with your company for the long term. You got to ask yourself, this is a moment of honesty from what Michelle's saying. Are you the type of leader who can attract and empower an A player or is your ego getting in the mm-hmm. way? You'd be able to get to the next level in your business. This, is a, this takes some humility. I'll share even personally, like when I got started as a CEO of NAXA, we had 13 employees. But today we have 65. I've had to oh. relearn. If you think about it, it's very humbling. I, I've had to relearn what it's like to lead at 20, you know, I remember out about 22, 24 employees, totally different business. 35, yeah. 40 employees, totally different business. Got past 60 employees, totally different business. I'm constantly humbled and uh, learning in my own roles. And from what Michelle is sharing, some of these pitfalls, gang, many times you as the leader needing to level up in the way you lead and empower others. Many times you can be your own bottleneck. I mean, I, I'm from all the consultants. Michelle does quite a bit of consulting in the direct selling space. And I, I see it on the software side. How many times do we run into that owner that just can't let go of certain functions of their business that they have to personally do? You know, they're, they constantly have to control every word that's said on every training call, every email that's sent out to the customers in the field, every, you know, and, and they're in their own way. You know, they're, they're stopping their ability to flourish just because they don't trust. And so you, you got to take a moment mm-hmm. to pause, gang, and honestly ask why you have that problem because you're not going to get to the next level without trusting others. And if you need a certain type of person that's worth trusting, if that's your answer, well, how are you creating a system that produces that kind of person or is the space for that type of person to flourish? So you, you got to hear what Michelle's saying because those, those pitfalls, gang, many times they come back to you. And me as the leaders, it's, it's our issue. It's not, it's not that, oh man, good people are hard to find these days. It's no, are you being the type of leader that can recruit and retain a players in your organization? Cause, cause guess what? That's what it takes. So there's a little bit of self little looking in moment uh, for each of us as you hear. Right, what right. Michelle said. And put the ego aside. You know, Ben, one thing I always think of the speed of the leader sets the pace of the pack. So as you discussed, as a leader, a president, a CEO, you're establishing the culture. So it, it really becomes you, your personality that goes through the whole culture. So you really want to think about that, what that looks like. And people don't buy what you mm-hmm. say, they buy what you do. And so are you able to absolutely person who you know and so that's it's just remembering this you know in our 
Instagram-y, real, snap, one thought, you know, at a time piecemeal world we all live in, right? Are you showing up every day mm-hmm. and living out why the business exists and your core yeah. values? Are those things real or are they just words on your website? Like people are going to see through that. If you start to scale your company, they're going to see through any of that. So you, you have to, you have mm-hmm. to actually choose to live it out yourself before anyone else is going to even get close. A big part of the DSEF and these shows is frameworks. Uh, we love frameworks. Michelle, frameworks help us all make better decisions. And so with, with that, let's move to some frameworks. Omar, let's head your way and let's let's start to think through some frameworks here that everyone can learn from. Absolutely. Thank you, Ben. Uh, well, uh, what is the structure uh, process uh, to the right way to onboard and the support that follows that new employee for three to six to nine months ahead? Sure, sure. Um, and I did... I did just real quickly before I go through that, bad onboarding. Just remember, expensive, bad reputation affects the bottom line. So just remember that. It, it's better to do it right than awesome. do it wrong. But all of that yeah. adds up to really bad. Um, okay, so we talked about some things that I, I recommended at the beginning. So positive, good onboarding, again, is starting with the interview process. What are your... Oh, how are you presenting yourself, your executives, even your emails? You know, are you, is yeah. the, is the HR department, how are you communicating? Is it polite? Is it respectful? Is it, you know, graceful, whatever? I would say HR weekly check-ins, as we mentioned earlier, manager check-in, whoever they're reporting to. Sometimes the expectations are not set up clearly and they misunderstood or the manager is not the best communicator. They might need help communicating. The boss has expectations. I put here boss. I probably shouldn't do that, but, and has not communicated what those expectations are. Sometimes we think people can read our minds or think about all this, but just be really clear on your expectations. Employee programs for success. There's all sorts of things you can do for employees. You know, there might be college or certification programs they might want to be involved in that might make them a better employee or going to the DSA or or doing things that will make them a better employee is also important too. Evaluate, stop, whether it's 30 days or 60 days, evaluate how they're doing, where they're going, are they going in the right direction and where do they need the support, the mentor, the coaching and does, this is really important, does the new employee have the tools and the resources We constantly hear a new executive is hired, but they have no budget. So they have to do all these these things out here to grow the bottom line, but they have no budget. So you just want to make sure that they have the resources to do what they need to do. I love that thought. One of the things that we we talk about internally a lot is the concept of the word ETA. We say that if a leader truly wants to hand off a task or duplicate to someone else, did they set proper ETA? This idea of expectations, training, and accountability. So did I set the proper expectations with this person? Did I give them the training and the resources? You talked about budget, right? That's important stuff. Did I, did I give them the ability to accomplish it? And then I set expectations on some accountability for when when we're going to check in on that thing. And if you haven't set proper ETA in your life as a leader, when you're 30, 60, 90 days, that's on you, not on that new hire as a leader. So bring back those frameworks you're hearing Michelle talk about here, gang, of what this is like. And you got to realize, hey, are you doing the work to create an environment for them to thrive inside of the space? Or are you truly hiring? Are you, are you dropping a 
multiple six-figure salary on uh, this great marketer to join your team and you're not giving them the tools to recoup your ROI, right? Well, that's not very wise. Do you even know what they need? Did you ask them? Uh, (laughs) Did you you go through that? Oh, talk about a pitfall, Michelle. That's a, that's a, that's a sore spot to highlight for sure for some of our listeners. I don't, many of them think that someone just shows a magical wizard, you know, not everyone you hire is going to be Harry Potter and just turns on the AI machine and grows your business. There's, there's going to be many times real costs that may not be what you expected to be able to get your business to the next level. Many times Mm -hmm. it's not what your, your assumptions may not be correct. You have to, you have to understand that, that as you grow and expand and onboard people the way Michelle's just highlighted for us, gang. These are all real conversations that if you didn't have them, that was on, that was on you. You know, you could, you could make a contract to hire a really a high end guy or gal to join your team and then not get your ROI because you didn't resource them properly. And and you didn't set clear expectations with how they were going to do it. And good thoughts. Exactly. Yeah. And it happens a lot out there. So, <laughs> yeah, it does. Wonderful. Such an enlightening conversation. Right. So just out of curiosity, uh, Michelle, since you speak to executives throughout the process, while we are coaching, mm-hmm. uh, what are you hearing the A players uh, or the employees looking for in today's work environment? I'm glad you asked that because the employee never really gets to share their words. So I talked to a couple employees to get their, their feedback, not my feedback, not the company, but their feedback. And I did, I did want to mention that they're hired to do a job, let them do the job because it, it does, your, your hands are held or, or there's restrictions in place or no budget. So, you know, that's the biggest complaint. They can't do what they, they were hired to do. But what they're looking for is a fun and healthy environment or culture. So not a dysfunctional. I wrote down fun because fun was brought up by several executives. They want to be valued and appreciated. And, and again, that could be so simple as employee of the month or something, you know, just minor check-ins and communications. They say these executives I spoke to said it would take weeks to get to their boss or get to someone to do a check-in to see how they were doing. Difficult to get feedback. Focus on company business versus unhealthy processes. You know, we in our personal life, we all get stuck in unhealthy processes as well. So you want to keep all the processes uh, healthy and functional for sure. And as I mentioned, let me do what I'm hired to do. There's an exclamation point there. Determine hybrid or remote. I think it's important that if you're hiring somebody, you want to hire the best of the best. So whether that person has to be remote, um, you kind of, you want to look for that quality candidate first and then maybe determine if they can't relocate, the kids have to finish school, maybe relocation is in two years, then you, you figure out how to work around that and you want the best of the best. Flexibility, you know, I, I keep hearing from executives, I wish I could work 10 hour days and have Friday afternoons off or, you know, or I don't want to get calls on the weekends all day, Saturday and Sunday. I want to be with my family and my kids. So you do, you do want some sort of boundaries and flexibility, you know, that maybe the rule is, you know, no, nothing on weekends or whatever. 
And then of course, interesting quality of life. I'm finding as I'm talking to executives, it's not the title, it's not the money, it's the quality of life. I wanna work from home to be with my children and to see them grow up. So that's become much more important post-COVID. What's so important about what Michelle's sharing, if we unpack some of those thoughts, they come back to how we actually operate our cultures. So if you heard the complaint of like working on the weekend or are expected to do that, yeah, and some of your businesses do lots of events on Saturdays and that's just normal. And then some of you don't. And so when you're in that camp of where you don't and it's not a part of your culture and you're you're only working on the weekend because you, the leader, are choosing to, if that's an important part of your culture, it comes down to um, how you communicate. So if you, you know, you have an email that you just have to send because you're working on Saturday. And if you start sending emails on Saturday, guess what? They think they have to respond on Saturday. They feel that. But if it's something that can truly wait and you just got to get it out of your system, that's why there's scheduling tools, gang. You can go write the email, press it, and it'll send at 7 a.m. Monday morning. Like, you can do that today, right? There's technology that allows you to protect yourself from your own culture that you want um, inside of your world. So if your expectations is, hey, I want people to have a great just time with their kids Friday at noon to the whole weekend, and that's a big part of our culture. That's a commitment. You know, we had a client who uh, never worked on Fridays, actually, who, who built his entire business on his staff being Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, Saturday, Sunday was off every week. And that was their whole culture. And whether it was emailing or communications or texting or updates, all that stuff had to happen Monday through Thursday or it wouldn't have been real. And so mm. you, you think about each of these things you're hearing from Michelle and if one of those resonates with you and they don't have to, nothing's wrong with working on the weekends game. There's no, it's not a sin, okay? So so like, like if it's your culture that you guys do lots of events on the weekends, that's fine. But if your culture says, no, 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 we, that's not us then you actually have to live it. That's the one big reminder to each of the pitfalls that Michelle's uh, sharing, Gay, is it's not enough for you to put it in the employee handbook. It's not enough for you to put it on the website. He, your culture is what you actually mm -hmm. do. So hear that today from all the principles and the frameworks Michelle shared with us. Be reminded that the gut check is, okay, like some of these are gonna resonate with you and you're gonna say, oh, we want that in our culture. Oh, we wanna be those people. Well, then you have to actually live that way. All right. Just, just hear that. Walk your talk. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Talk. And I, I always bring it back to real application. I um, mean, that's the whole point of us having speakers and sharing the forum. It's first of all, go, you know, create the world we want to create. And, and I'm so grateful. Uh, Michelle chose to come out here and do this today. Michelle does placement and executive search, you know, so the, just does many things, but what, what I get most calls from Michelle, is <laughs> she's blessed to, you know, help one of our clients out who needs to place a new, uh, um, you know, a new employee in their world. And it's sad when we see a great A player get placed and then they're like, I had no idea what it was like to work at that company, you know, where, where the, the, the walk didn't match the talk. And so think about that today. Mm -hmm. You want to attract A players and you're at whatever level you're at in your business. Are you doing the work as a leader to live the way you're supposed to live? And that's what I want to leave everybody with uh, today as you hear this, because that's the gut check as you apply these frameworks. Michelle, if they want to meet you more, where do they find you? What web, give us a website. Where do people go to meet Michelle? If they want to hear more about you and connect with you. I know you're a LinkedIn gal. In a dark alley. 
I'll I'm go. in a dark alley. No, I'm teasing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ben, I wanted to say another thing. In the interview process, who's ever doing an executive or HR, there are personality tests uh, that some companies use. Obviously, you heard of Myers-Briggs a, a million years ago, but there are newer ones that focus more on soft skills, hard skills. Uh, but whether or not a, a sales role is going to be right for that person, um, also, case studies. Sometimes when you interview, it might be good to have a candidate write a case study so you can really understand, are you on the same page? Can they really add value? Here are some key points, some answers. And, and of course, as an interviewer, make sure you ask the right questions. A lot of people don't know how to interview correctly. And it's really important that you kind of ask open-ended questions and, you know, and take some responsibility on that side of the conversation. So, but you can find me on LinkedIn. I very proud. I have a huge amount of connections. I try to post great articles uh, if I can every day uh, that have to do with employees and hiring and HR and whatever to help. So I think the best place is just to track me down on LinkedIn. Thank you, Michelle. You know, Michelle, uh, as she was wrapping up, she shared a thought and I, I want to give one more book recommendation. We love giving you guys book recommendations. One that changed our life and how to ask interview questions. And yeah, uh, Jeff yes. Smart and Randy Street talk about getting away from voodoo interview practices, which is where we all just make up these random questions that we hope people magically answer in a certain way, right? He says, leave the voodoo behind. And he has yeah. a and a framework that I have found to be just truly helpful for acquiring A players. And the book's called Who, just, just W-H-O. Okay, it's called Who from Jeff Smart, Randy Street. If you haven't checked it out, it's on Audible or whatever, iBooks, whatever your favorite listening is. Great audio, very convicting as a leader, I would say. When I got Who in my life, I said, wow, that's I, I've been practicing voodoo on my interview candidates, you know, and that's a fourth round interview. And, you know, you, and you think it was a, it was a powerful, powerful questions that allow you to, to truly figure it out up front and then move into a great process. Michelle was a total treat to have you on today. Omar, yeah. thank you for hosting. Thank you. Was, this was just a ton of fun. Thanks, Omar. For those of you that are brand new uh, to ESCF oh. and haven't yet uh, become members. The Direct Selling Executives Forum is a free forum uh, for direct selling executives that is invite only. If you go on LinkedIn and search for Direct Selling Executive Forum or go to directsellingexecutiveforum.com, it'll forward you to the LinkedIn group and you're totally welcome to join. If you're watching on the stream and would like to subscribe to the actual podcast for audios, yeah. you're welcome to find us on, on Spotify, Apple, and all of your favorite podcasting places. I think it was a total treat to have everyone on today. Have an amazing week and do something with what you learned today. Thank you. All right. We'll catch up with Make you. Make a difference. Thank Let's you, do it. If you haven't yet joined the DSEF group on LinkedIn, go to directsellingexecutiveforum.com or go on LinkedIn and search for Direct Selling Executive Forum to apply. The group is free and is an invite-only community of direct selling executives by direct selling executives. <laughs>